Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. We are just grateful that you're here with us today. Um, My name is Pastor Blake, and no matter where you're watching, it's our honor and privilege to spend together, uh, spend time together today. Um, A while back, I was at a doctor's appointment, and there was a coffee table that had a lot of magazines on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you look at the magazines, and you're like, those are from like last year. What are they still doing out here? Well, there is one that captured my eye. It was Time Magazine. Now, periodically, Time releases uh, the, the most influential people of all time. And so I was curious, and I saw this magazine, and, and I wanted to kind of see who they would have on that list. So there is the, the list that, that kind of came to my mind were people like Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, I, I was like, for sure, 100%, Nicolas Cage was going to make this list of top 100, right? Like, come on, Nick Cage. Woo! Okay, maybe some of you aren't feeling it like I am. But to my kind of unique surprise, a man by the name of Jesus was number one on the most significant individual of all time. Now, that's kind of fascinating, right? Like this liberal publication, this secular work, listed this man by the name of Jesus, one of the most significant figures of all time. When you think about it and you look at Jesus' life, he was a man that came from a peasant's home. He never really traveled more than 200, 300 miles from his home. It's equivalent of us saying, hey, I went over to Miami and yet over in Europe, I made a difference. Like think about that, that geographical vastness. He never went to college. He had a, a kind of suspect maybe upbringing I mean, he was born of a a virgin, and there was a lot of maybe questions there people had. This man by the name of Jesus that people even acknowledge who are far from God, acknowledge that he's a significant individual in the world. So the question we have to ask ourselves, how could Jesus leave such an impact in today's world? It's fascinating. Well, we're going to look at a story here in a moment, but I believe he did it this way. He did it one relationship at a time. He did it one interaction at a time. He did it one conversation at a time. That takes me to this morning's big idea and what I want to discuss with you about this, e- this morning. is simply this. Focus on one person at a time. If you want to make change in your family, in your community, don't worry and think and look past people, but look at who is in your sphere right now. Who do you need to have a conversation with? Who do you need to give a hug to? Who do you need to show love to? What is God saying and bringing and who are you looking at firsthand right in front of you that you can make a difference? See, Jesus did that. It's almost like this, you pull out your phone. Now, all of us have iPhones. 
I do know one individual has a flip phone still. I'm not going to call my dad out anymore. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. But, you know, when, whenever you pull out your, your iPhone, because Androids don't work, um, you pull out your iPhone, yeah, right? And you go over and, it, and you magnify the picture as best you can. It's zooming in to a 10 times magnification rate. That's the kind of way we should live out our relationships. Rather than saying, hey, I'm going to take this landscape photo and, and see how many people I can get in the, the picture in, in a sense, we should say, who is God bringing in my life that I can focus and make and help and lead and be a part of their daily living? See, a lot of times we, we get distracted. That challenge is real. I face it. And there's moments where I've had maybe with some of you when even after service dismisses and the, the last five minutes, there, there's a, a mass, massive rush and I'm, I'm trying to say hi and I want to shake hands. I want to give high fives. I want to say, hey, thanks for coming. I don't recognize you. You're new. Let me get you connected. Let me help you with a friend. Let me, let me do that. That's kind of my wiring. And there's moments where I almost, because my mind is kind of ticking in a weird way, where I'm like, hey, we're having a conversation and, and I kind of pivot off and I'm like chasing and talking to somebody else. And then I get a text message or an email, hey, Pastor Blake, you kind of missed our conversation. Like I've been there. I don't know if you've been there where you've kind of missed who was right in front of you because you're looking past them. See, Jesus is very clear that if you want to make a change in your community in this world for the better, focus on the one that is right there. Focus on those relationships that are right there. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15. Now, this is the middle of Jesus' Judean ministry. Now, he's coming in, he's, he's at the, the, the precipice of his teaching. When you come to Luke 15, there's a popular story in there. It's the, the parable of the prodigal son. A, a parable is simply a, a fable or, or a story that isn't necessarily true, but it teaches a, a moral point. So Jesus teaches in three of them in Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the prodigal son. Many of us are familiar with the parable of prodigal son whenever we've maybe been raised in the church or heard the, the son that went away and now the son that is back. But today I want to bring our attention to Luke 15 verses 1 through 7, the parable of the lost sheep. And the, the premise of all three of these parables is this, that Jesus sees, Jesus saves, and Jesus celebrates. Jesus sees, he saves, and he celebrates. So no matter where you're at, no matter what's taking place in your life, he sees you, he can save you, and he'll celebrate you. If there's anything you take away, take away that. So join me, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, again, this is counterculture. Jesus is stepping in a realm and in a way that is polarizing to people. I want us to be very clear as a church, when we follow Jesus, there's no sitting on the sidelines in our community, in our culture, and in our work. Verse 3 continues, so he told him this parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost 
until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. And in other words, Jesus, who is the shepherd in the story, is saying, hey, let's party because what was lost is now found. Verse 7 says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Church, Jesus is saying right here in this parable, there is value in the one. As a follower, we need to live out that way of living, and we need to say, hey, there's value in the one. The one in our circle right now standing in front of us, the people, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our, our brothers, our sisters, our children, are we valuing them? So how do we do that? How do we focus on one at a time? The first is we have to receive people as they are. Receive people as they are. Now, this is tough to receive someone as they are. I can openly declare, I didn't have this in first service, but I can openly declare, I receive Pastor Goss for who he is. He's a Packers fan, right? Like, hey, Pastor Goss, man, I receive you for who you are, being a Packers fan and a Cardinals fan and, and a fan of all the bandwagon teams that you like, you know? Like, I receive that. But look at the audience that is in Jesus's uh, uh, circle right now. There's two, and then there's actually a third group that often looks, gets overlooked whenever we discuss this parable. The first one is this, there's these tax collectors. The tax collectors were fascinating in, in this culture because they kind of betrayed their own countrymen. When Israel was maybe uh, oppressed and, and people would actually say, hey, I need, uh, uh, I, I need to find relief, the tax, uh, the tax collectors would kind of say, well, we're going to side with the oppressors. We're going to say, hey, you know what? Uh, we can fatten our own pockets because rather than taking Rome 7% or 15% or 35%, we're actually going to take 40%. So they would skim off the top. They would charge more to their own people. Like, that's talk about a betraying there. So people didn't like them. But notice who Jesus drew to him. He drew the tax collectors. The ones people didn't like, the cheaters, the liars, and the schemers. That's fascinating. The second group that we see is the, the sinners, the irreligious people. The people who were probably at the club and the bar last night till one or two in the morning, like hanging out, living life, like really large and loud and proud. Like that's who Jesus was bringing. He's receiving these people as they are. He's saying, hey, come with me no matter what you got. I'm for you. I'm with you. I will walk beside you. Come and listen to me. Now, there's also this third group that Jesus is actually more so addressing, and that's the Pharisees, these strict religious people, these religious people who think that they are close to God, have it all together, all buttoned down, dialed in, and they're asking Jesus, how could you even receive someone that's not worthy like us? It's fascinating the way Jesus had this whole audience 
around him. The point is this, that Jesus receives the most religious person and the person the furthest away from God. He receives everybody. Now, sometimes we struggle with that in our own thinking because we're like, how can Jesus actually receive that person? They claim they love him, but they're not really living for him. They claim that they're, they're good people, but did you know what they did at work this past week? So we have this very way to humanize it, Americanize it, when Jesus is saying, I'll receive you no matter what kind of walk of life you come from. I want you to come and listen to me. Whenever we are focusing on one person at a time, it doesn't matter what the background is. What matters is that we're able to receive someone no matter what kind of baggage that they have. You've heard the saying, everyone has baggage, right? I like how someone expounded it. Everyone has baggage. Why don't you help someone carry it? Galatians 6, 2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Ultimately, as we meet people as they are, really what we're doing is say, hey, I'm going to extend grace. See, our ability to extend grace is a direct correlation of our understanding of needing grace. If you can't extend grace to someone that is maybe hung up, messed up, mixed up, then the truth of the matter is you haven't really understood what Jesus has done for you and the grace that he's given you. There's this fascinating story, this lady by the name, little girl I should say, her name was Ruby Bridges. Uh, She grew up in the 1960s and you can see this photo. This was one of many days where she was one of the first African-American children to be segregated or to to be assimilated into an all-white school after segregation in Louisiana. There is the first day of school, it says hundreds of rioters and protesters lined up outside of her school to yell, to curse, to spit, to threaten. Now, this kind of strikes a chord with me because I have a six-year-old son. Ruby Bridges was six years old when these things were happening to her. Six years of age, the innocent life, full of joy, enduring such hardship. Dr. Robert Coles was brought in to, to help Ruby Bridges with the assimilation portion so that she wouldn't feel like she had to go through it all alone. So he would counsel her, he would help her, he would be someplace for her to process. And, and there was this one interesting uh, uh, moment. The teacher says she noticed Ruby turning back to the crowd and speaking to the crowd. So as she's speaking to the crowd, the teacher's wondering what she's actually saying. What is a six-year-old girl yelling or talking or saying to the crowd? So the teacher ends up telling Dr. Coles, and Dr. Coles in his one-on-one with Ruby, he asks, he says, what were you saying to the crowd? She goes, I wasn't saying anything to the crowd. I was praying for the crowd. Can you imagine meeting someone as they are in that kind of circumstance? Can you imagine when the odds are against you, when people don't like you, when people for whatever rhyme, shape, reason want to condemn you, saying, hey, I'm going to receive you? 
probably many of the people in the crowd who saw Jesus and listened to his teaching at this moment were also some of the same people who are saying, let's crucify Jesus. That's how quickly it shifted when we look at Jesus' final week. No matter what the background might be, if you want to focus on the one, if you want to make change in your community, we have to ignore the past, ignore the baggage, and say, I'm going to focus right here. We're going to have this conversation. We're going to talk. I care for you. I love you. I'm going to receive you for you and help you. That's what it means to receive people. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, see to it no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Remember this, church. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's not the most perfect religious people that that need the doctor, right? It's those who are lost. Number two for us this morning when it comes to focusing on the one is this. We need to, to notice the one. Notice the one. Luke 15, 4 says, What man of you having a hundred sheep if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. So Jesus not only is drawing a crowd, he then talks specifically to these Pharisees, right? And he, and he does something kind of polarizing. He equates a Pharisee, this man who is of noble stature in society, and he says, now I want to take you from being up here and I want to move you down here. So he takes them and and he says, imagine being a shepherd. You're a shepherd. Now, shepherd were considered very unworthy people in this culture. They couldn't follow the religious guidelines. They couldn't keep clean. They were poor. They were dirty. They didn't really have social class. And Jesus looks to these Pharisees and he says, now imagine being a shepherd which is fascinating because throughout all of the Old Testament, very noble people were shepherds. Rebecca, Moses. And yet these Pharisees were missing the point. They, they were saying, hey, we're not that. We can't be those individuals. See, Jesus' point illustrating that is this, that no matter how low you are, no matter what is taking place, No matter for these shepherds that he's talking about, their livelihood, their career is at stake because if they lose that one, they're in trouble. But the shepherds, these people who maybe don't have it all together, these people who are are struggling, in essence, are challenged by Jesus. See, See me losing one out of 100 right? That's still 99. That's not bad. In fact, my son comes home with the test and he takes that 99, I'm giving him a high five, right? But see, to, to this story and this illustration, it matters. Jesus is saying it, it beyond matters, that the, the one is special. Notice the one. Last night, my son who's six, his name's Bodie, lost his first tooth, right? Uh, it's really cool. I actually got to pull it out. Mom was freaking out. I was pulling it out. And it was, it was 
pretty, it was a pretty cool experience for a guy who's never pulling a to- tooth before. And then I look at his mouth and I, and I look how many more teeth he has to go through that we're going to have to pull at some point. But for that moment, when, when my son had that one tooth, when he's looking at it, there's many more left in his mouth, but it's that one that mattered, that was significant in his life at that moment. So, no matter if we notice it or not, you are, are, are very concerned about your life, your purpose. The same way you're concerned about your life, God can, is concerned about your life, cares for your life. This one particular pastor friend of mine, uh, their church started to open back up, and there's about four individuals who each had their spot, you know, their, their church spot. They came into church, and they would go, and they would sit down, and, and he noticed that church is open, but they haven't been back. So he committed to texting them, and he would text them, and he'd say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I care for you. I love you. I value you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And he did this week upon week upon week, Surely, sure enough, those individuals started coming back one by one by one because there's value in noticing the one. Who do you need to notice in your life? Who do you need to ask? Who do I need to have a a conversation with? Take the coffee, have a phone call, send a text. Say, hey, you're noticed. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I care for you. Hey, I love you. Hey, bring me up to speed on what's taking place in your life. Is the opportunity, how's that job interview? What is taking place? What is shaping and molding in your life? Psalms 41.1 says this, Blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble the Lord delivers him. It's our opportunity, if we want to focus on people, the one relationship in front of us, to see change in our communities, in our families, in our lives, we have to notice those who... Are missing. And that leads us to point number three for us this morning is this. We need to be willing to welcome them back. Welcome them back. Um, this is always interesting when it comes to the church realm because a lot of times we have this outward focus of maybe those who aren't associated with church but then come to church. But a lot of us, there's moments where, you know, we've kind of just drifted away. See, the sheep was a part of the, the flock at the moment. And there's always debate. Is it flock or is it herd? I don't really know. But the sheep was a part of the community. And the sheep drifted away. Look at what, Hebrew, look at what Luke 13, 6 says this. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Rejoice with me. Next week is one of my favorite Sundays because it's Baptism Sunday. We set up the pool down here and those who are going public with their faith, they're saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm taking some of these steps. And as a community, we celebrate that. We cheer that on. We say, let's go. Because here's the thing, we're, we're celebrating. Scripture says, rejoice with me. See, the shepherd is Jesus in the scenario. And he's bringing us alongside and he's saying, hey, let's, let's party and celebrate what Jesus, what, or what is taking place, the lost that are now returned. 
Psalms 24 says this, may he grant you your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. See, there's always this continual process, this this move, God, shape my heart after your heart. Probably once a week, I'll I'll meet people, and I, I think it's really neat. I think it's really cool that this is a community that accepts people, that welcomes people back. That's to cheer you on and applaud you, but I'll be out there in the lobby and it'll be a new face and I'll introduce myself. Hey, I'm Blake, how are you doing? And like, oh yeah, we used to attend this church. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like, when was the last time you were with us? Maybe we just missed each other. And they're like, I was with you when you're across Bay Shore in the other building. And I'm always like, man, that's awesome. And yet they come back and they feel, they feel comfortable that they can still live in community and feel like they are a part of the church. See, our responsibility is when that sheep goes away to welcome them back. See, notice sheep and their appetites. They're, they're, indivi- they're, they're, they're creatures that they don't just cut dry and leave they say hey you know what there's there's one patch of grass and they go to one patch of grass they see another patch of grass they go to another patch of grass and then they go to another patch of grass see the point being is they they slowly drift away see no matter how far someone might drift away our arms still need to say hey you're welcome back it doesn't care about, I don't care about the rhyme reason, why you left, what took place, you're welcomed back. Number four for us when it comes to focusing on those around us, those around is this, realize we've all been lost. Realize you and me have had a party thrown on our behalf. When we ever look at par- parables, the, the classic thing to do is Say, hey, which character are we when it comes to this story? Am I the shepherd? Am I the sheep? Am I the Pharisee? Am I the tax collector? Am I the sinner? Who am I? Really, in this scenario, you and me, we, we're the sheep. We've all been lost at a time or two. Luke 15, 7 says this, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repeats than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So you look throughout scripture, what happens is this, there, uh, there's this understanding that there is joy in heaven when someone lost is now found. That godly joy, what brings great joy to God, someone who is now a follower, who moves from being someone far to now a follower of Jesus, God is celebrating that. Heaven is declaring that. Heaven is rejoicing that. That joy then comes down into our lives. The Holy Spirit, and Ephesians, Paul mentions it. We see this as the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a part of a believer's life. We share that heavenly joy. Ephesians 2, 12 says this, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God 
in the world. See, when we understand that at one point how lost we are, we begin to grip how essential we need to help others meet Jesus. We need to know that, hey, we've been found, but we also need to know that we need to do our part to help others into an active relationship with Jesus. Desmond Doss, he saved 75 people in the Battle of Okinawa during World War II. You may be familiar with him because of the movie Hacksaw Ridge that released uh, several years ago. There's this plateau and the Japanese were all around and so when American troops would enter and the Allied troops would enter into this plateau, they would, they would lose their lives. And it, it was a very gripping kind of scene, but Desmond Doss is known as a, a conscious objector because he didn't want to ever fire a weapon due to religious beliefs. Can you imagine going to boot camp with a guy saying, hey, I'm never going to carry a weapon? How valuable can you actually be in the fight? So this one time comes up, and finally the, the army pushes him in serving as a medic. And when soldiers are wounded, unable to move, paralyzed, sitting there, waiting to die, Desmond Doss went one by one, one by one, one by one, and rescued 75 people. Fascinating story. Harry S. Truman says, the greatest honor arguably that he's ever had, even more than being a president, was to pin the honors to Desmond Dawes. As a Christian, as a follower, the greatest honor we can have is by helping those who are lost now come into an active, real relationship with Jesus. The question we have to ask ourselves, we've realized we've been lost, what are we doing about it? Are we, are we living in a community where we can meet people who are far from God and say, hey, let me show you what it means to, to follow. Let me, let, me, let me help you with that. You have some questions, how can I, how can I encourage you? What do I need to do to lift you up? What do I do to need to pick up your spirits? How do you need to focus on the people right around you? Church, we, need, we, we live in a day and time where people are hurting, people are lost, people are confused, people have a lot of questions. What was once moral is now becoming political. And, and we don't really know what to do, but, but Jesus says, hey, don't sit on the sidelines. Be a part of the solution. What can we do? What kind of Desmond Doss can we move in, in the glory of eternity and not here in the temporary? See, when I realize I've been lost, now my Lord and Savior is for me and is with me, then man, I'm fired up, I'm fueled up, I'm saying, church, let's go reach that person. What can we do to impact our community? What can I do to share the good news and the gospel message that's life-changing? I mean, we don't want to be those people that are sitting on our hands, and when the time comes, hey, what'd you do? Nah, we want to be those people that are saying, hey, we worked outside of these walls, we're charged up, we're ready, we're fired up to go make a difference. 
So you might be in here right now asking some real questions, but I wanna give you an opportunity to start that relationship. In a moment, I'm gonna pray, but I wanna remind you with this, Romans 10, nine through 10. If you wanna make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life, it's, it's maybe this simple because of the hardship of what Jesus has done for us. It says this, because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So when we believe that Jesus died, that God raised him again three days later, that he conquered death, hell, the grave, the disease, the hurts, the problems, the perils of this earth. We can focus on eternity and say, hey man, I was once lost, but now I am found, church. And you might wanna start a relationship with Jesus right now. Then when we enter this time of prayer, you just pray this prayer, Lord, I just confess that I need you, that I'm a sinner, that I'm broken. I wanna make you the leader, the forgiver, the Lord of my life. Scripture says, you will be saved. And we wanna to continue to live that life out with you here at Faith. So I'm gonna ask every head to bow, eye to be closed. God, right now, we continue to just love you and praise you and worship you through our prayer. Lord, I pray that you give us a, a, a spirit of focusing on the one around us, the one in our sphere to care for the, the lost, care for the needy, to care and help those that you bring into our path. God, right now specifically, we are praying for those who are making a decision to follow you. We're praying for radical change. We're saying thank you for grace. We're saying thank you for mercy. We're th saying thank you for everything you've done and everything you will do, Lord. Continue to lead us today, guide us today, and in your great name we all say amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.